What's up, what's up, what's up? We're back with another edition of the DNVR Rams podcast presented by Chevalier Mortgage. As always, I'm Justin Michael. I'm your host. And today we are talking about this weekend's big time matchup with number five, Iowa. I was joined by Tom Kakert of HawkeyeReport.com. We just kind of went through the matchup, talked about Iowa. Uh, you know, I asked him what would happen for Iowa to have to lose this game. We just went back and forth. A really enjoyable interview overall. Make sure you are following him for any and all Iowa Hawkeyes information this year. Hawkeyes looking legit. They look like the best team in the Big Ten, according to me. Um, take that for what it's worth. But Ohio State looks very beatable. Penn State, I've got question marks about their QB. Same thing with Graham Mertz at Wisconsin. Minnesota, you know, I don't know how healthy Ibrahim is going to be moving forward. So there's just a lot of question marks outside of this Iowa team. Definitely going to be a damn tough matchup for CSU. I'm going to preview it on my own in the coming days, but today I just kind of wanted to let Tom drive and, and get the inside perspective from somebody that covers the Hawkeyes. And so I really appreciate him giving me the time. And I think you guys are going to enjoy this interview quite a bit. Before we hop into it, though, it's stressful trying to buy a house right now. And if you've attempted this process, you know what I'm talking about. The housing market is loco in Colorado. Let Mike and Virginia Chevalier take the burden off this extremely difficult process. They're going to alleviate so much stress. They're going to take some of that worry off your plate. Chevalier Mortgage's ultimate goal is to take the stress out of buying and refinancing. They strive to give their borrowers options with their full financial picture in mind, with the highest level of integrity, always putting their borrowers first. Mike and Virginia are proud DNVR members, they're CSU alum, and they work nights and weekends to make sure their clients are getting the best loan for their situation. As mortgage brokers, they're able to shop over a dozen different lenders with many different products to find the right fit for you. They want their borrowers to know who they're working with and not feel bounced around. They take the time to help their borrowers feel as informed as they want every step of the way. Mike and Virginia will let you focus on making your home a home, not just a house. If you visit them at dnvrmortgage.com, you're going to enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat of your choice. Most importantly, you're going to get set up with a free consultation to discuss all your options. That's dnvrmortgage.com. You can also call Mike directly at 970-412-2472 or again, visit dnvrmortgage.com. Michael Chevalier, NMLS number 1931006. Virginia Chevalier, NMLS number 1910631. All right, joining me on the DNVR Rams podcast presented by Chevalier Mortgage, we have a special guest today, Tom Kakert of HawkeyeReport.com, part of the Rivals Network. Tom, how's football season been treating you, man? It it feels good to have college football back and with fans and and just a little bit more normal. Yeah, it does. You know, um, last year without fans at Kinnick Stadium and in the Big Ten, it was... uh, it was weird. I, I um, you know, Kirk Ferentz um, talked about this, um, you know, after the season. Iowa's first game was at Purdue, and you know, he said pulling up there on the bus, nobody around, and everything. He goes, it felt like kind of like a science fiction movie where nobody oh, was there. Yeah. So, you know, there's just nobody there. And and for Iowa, with you know, the tradition at the end of the first quarter of waving to the to the kids in the children's hospital. It's such a cool moment, and it just felt empty without having, you know, 60,000, 70,000 people there. 
waving to those kids. Um, you know, they still did the wave. The team, both teams did, the officials did, but there was no, I mean, it was like a thousand people, you know, it was friends and family uh, that were sitting in the, in the stand. So it just, it felt empty. Now it feels normal again. That's got to be one of the more gratifying things to experience. Just, you know, like that many people doing something so cool. I mean, the videos make me tear up. So I think just to experience it in person is, has got to be quite incredible. Yeah, it is. Everybody that, um, you know, you talk to and, you know, friends who are in the broadcast industry who come to the game and, um, you know, I'll tell, they'll say, I'm just, I'm, I'm just so excited to be able to do the wave, to watch the wave, to see the wave. And it's just, it's such a feel good moment. And it just, you know, happened so organically. It was just a, a fan thinking, well, you know, why don't we do a wave? And it was, it, it's just, okay, that sounds cool. And then when they first started doing it, everybody was like, wow, this is way cool. So it's just, it's one of the, I think it's one of the best traditions in college uh, football. And, um, you know, it's just, it's so much fun to see um, each and every week see, and seeing the opposing teams out there just doing it too. I mean, it's yeah. just cool. Yeah. I mean, to me, that's what college sports are about. The connection between, you know, the university and community, not that you can't have cool stuff happen in pro sports, but I just think that connection with the town and with the people surrounding is, is kind of what makes college sports a, a unique deal. Um, I wanted to ask you just briefly about 2020 CSU had a really weird year. They only got to play four games. Iowa got to play a little bit more. I mean, eight games is obviously not super ideal, but it's it's a little bit bigger of a sample size. I mean, were people satisfied with the results from last year? Obviously, lose two really just heartbreaking games early, but then they yeah. rattle off six straight to close the year. Yeah. One one other thing on the Children's Hospital, the Iowa players spend a lot of time over there. They, you know, when things were normal, when you could do those things, but they would go over and that's just part of the DNA of Iowa football and Iowa basketball is they will go over and spend time with those kids and, and just come over and, and, you know, 10 minutes with Luca Garza, you know, the player yeah. of the year. And Luca would go over there all the time because that's just how, what a great kid Luca is. Um, but you know, the best players on Iowa's teams, um, you know, George Kittle and guys like that were always over at the hospitals developing, uh, relationships with those kids and their families. And so it's, it's always been a part of Iowa football and now it's even bigger part. So anyway, I just wanted to say that cause it's just, no, so I love that. I'm glad you did. Yeah. Those guys do that. Uh, last year was weird. It was just strange, but you know, Iowa had, um, you know, they opened on the road at Purdue and a couple of fumbles probably cost them that game. And then uh, the second game against Northwestern, I was dominating the game pretty much. I mean, they should have won that game. And um, Spencer Petras threw three interceptions in the second half and they lost by one point. Uh, so, you know, they were a few points away from being undefeated last year. And that would have, you know, certainly changed the trajectory of, of Iowa's season. Uh, but now they've come in, you know, they've, they've won, uh, won the last six last year. I thought they were playing really well at the end of the year. Um, and they've won their first three. So this could be the third time in the in Ferentz's tenure where they've won at least 10 games in a row, twice over the course of two seasons. There was one other time. The first time was uh, 2008, the end of the year, into 2009. They won the first nine games. So they won 12 in total. Um, in a row between those two years. And then obviously the 2015 season where they won 
uh, all the regular season games, 12 and out of that season too. What is kind of the sense amongst Hawkeye fans right now? Do they believe, I mean, from the outside looking in, Iowa looks as legitimate as anybody in the Big Ten right now. That defense sure. is stout. I know there's some questions offensively, but uh, do people believe? I mean, is the is the excitement starting to build where it's, you know, we might be in the playoff conversation? <laughs> you know, when you look around college football, you, you can almost say that because nobody looks like they're dominant. Even, you know, Alabama last week Great was, point. was uh, fairly vulnerable. Georgia has looked vulnerable. Clemson does not look like Clemson. Um, you know, the big boy, Oklahoma doesn't look like Oklahoma right now. I mean, there's the, the, the four schools that have kind of just owned that playoff are not looking like they're normally do. So, you know, an Ohio state doesn't look like Ohio state right now. I mean, they struggled to beat a Tulsa team that uh, isn't very good. So, and, and lost to Oregon in the shoe, which just never happened. So, um, I think Iowa fans are kind of you know, putting their toe in the water a little bit for being <laughs> really excited. But um, I think they would feel a lot better if the offense was better. Um, and specifically Spencer Petrus, the quarterback, if they felt better about him um, and, and what he could do, um, I think that would go a long way because they've got a good running back. They've got a pretty good offensive line. They've got some talented wide receiver Um the defense has has overachieved in my mind. Um, their back seven was always going to be really good because everybody was back, and they were really good last year. But they were replacing three starters on the on the on the line on the defensive line, so there were some questions. But they've done okay last year. The last week they had seven sacks from that defensive line against Kent State, and um, that's the last time they had seven sacks in a game was two thousand against uh, Northwestern. So. They really have kind of gotten after a little bit. Um, you know, I'm pleasantly surprised by what they've been able to do uh, defensively. They just they just play smart football. They don't hurt themselves. That's the big thing why Iowa has done so well this year. Other than um, their backup running back, Ivory Kelly Martin, putting the ball on the ground a couple times, they have not uh, – Spencer Petrus, you know, for all his uh, detractors that, that are involved with him, he – hasn't thrown an interception yet. You know, as long as he doesn't make mistakes, Iowa's going to be okay, and they're going to be in every game. Do you think there's any chance we see Alex Padilla at any point in this game? I'm just curious. His dad's actually a Colorado State alum and yeah. played at CSU in the 80s. He, you know, is from Colorado, played at one of the, the dominant programs out here, Cherry Creek High School. Yep. Uh, maybe the, the one that got away if you're a CSU fan, but can't blame him when you've got Big Ten interest. Yeah, I remember his, um, talking to um, his dad, I think, during the recruiting process, and he told me that he was uh, he played at Colorado State. And I'd forgotten that until you just mentioned it, though. That's a, um, if, if things get out of hand a little bit, you'll see Alex Padilla out there. He'll be out there, um, you know, playing at some point. Um, if, you know, I was up by 20-plus points in the fourth quarter late, He'll get that's like last week. He got Alex in there for a few snaps at the end. So I think that's primarily when you would see him, um, unless there's something else like an injury. And gosh, I can't remember the last time an Iowa quarterback got hurt in a game. I, it's been forever, really. Um, you know, knock on wood. I don't want to see anybody get hurt. Uh, no, and I don't either. I mean, I don't. I don't want to see CSU get blown out either. If we're being honest, but oh, yeah, I, I definitely don't want to wish anybody ill or anything like that. Um, yeah. As far as Spencer Petrus goes. 
you know, you mentioned turnovers being a little bit of an issue in the past. What is kind of his game? Like what, what does he do well aside from, you know, kind of just being managing the game so far this year and not turning it over? I think that's the big thing. And he really kind of sort of developed during the season last year. And one of the things um, Kirk Ferentz talked about, and, and it's a valid point. I've talked to um, uh, Chuck Long, former Iowa quarterback who almost won the Heisman trophy in 1985. Chuck and I were talking about this too. And he agreed that um, Spencer just had kind of a tough hand last year because of COVID. Iowa didn't have any practices at all in the spring. They just, they were, um, they were just going on spring break and then they were going to come back and start spring practice when the world shut down in early March, early mid-March. Um, so they did not get any practices, um, didn't get back in the facilities until June. They were trying to find city parks to go or high school fields to go throw in. Um, it was just, it was wild. And then they just had kind of a, a weird fall camp that they, you know, just kind of a training camp, but it was, it was different, obviously, with everything going on with COVID last year. Um, so he really didn't get a normal ramp up to being a starting quarterback. So that's why they feel like he struggled last year. Um, it was just a, a weird adjustment. Now, having said that, he's played um, since that Northwestern game. I think he's played pretty good football and got better. And, you know, the last three games of the season last year, he had six touchdowns and one interception. So he was getting better. This year, you know, not a bunch of touchdown passes, but he's he's managing the game. He's really smart, gets into the right plays. Um, you know, it's just uh, it, it, it's it, you know, we were talking about this today. It's this is fascinating. So 2018, Iowa, at, at they were struggling to find a quarterback. So they were trying to they, they finally found Petrus. They also were interested in Zach Wilson from you guys' neck of the woods out in the out in the mountain west and everything. Yeah, pretty good guy. Yeah. So Petrus had come in for visit. Wilson was coming in the next week. And Wilson did a couple of interviews, one of them with us. And Petrus saw that he was coming in and he might commit. So Petrus committed ahead of Zach Wilson because Wilson was probably going to commit on his visit. So they missed out on Zach Wilson. And the other quarterback that Iowa was looking at in that process was a kid named Trey Lance. <laughs> oh man. So, you know, they could have had Trey Lance, they could have had Zach Wilson and they end up with Spencer Petrie. So it's just, it's wild that those guys go two and three in the end, in the NFL draft this year. And here's Spencer Petras. you know, he's got his wild. chance though. I mean, if he gets a playoff run, then I think when it's all said and done, you would view it as a success, you know, no matter what he, has, he goes on to do at the next level, you know, he has all the, all the tools, if you know what I mean, the arm strength, the everything. He's got all those, all those tools. Um, he just, I think he gets a little tight sometimes with his throws and just kind of, um, you know, just, just gets a little tight with the throw. And he's when he relaxes and just kind of throws the ball, it's pretty, it's really good. You see why they loved him. You know, mm -hmm. they see, see why, you know, he was, he was highly recruited um, because he, he's got some talent.
We will hop right back in that interview in just a second, but it has been a great start to the NFL season, and it's only getting better at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. DraftKings is kicking off another week of action by giving all new customers a can't-miss offer. Bet $1 on any football game this week and receive $250 in free bets instantly, no matter what. This football season, all customers can swing big with the DraftKings Same Game Parlay. Won about 20 bucks on that Broncos win over the Jaguars last weekend. Love it because you don't have to risk a whole lot. And if you make some smart plays, you can really cash in. Same game parlays allow you to combine multiple bets for a bigger payout. This week, place a same game parlay on any NFL game and you will be credited up to $25 if your bet loses. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. The best part is you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you need. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DNVR to receive $150 in free bets instantly when you place a $1 bet on any football game. That promo code DNVR to get $150 in free bets instantly at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. New customers only, restrictions to apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. I also want to shout out the homies over at Solace Meds. They've got some smoking hot September deals for you. The one and only premier dispensary. Solace Meds is always hooking it up. They have four convenient Colorado locations, one in Fort Collins for my Ram fam, one in Wheat Ridge, one off Broadway, and one just blocks away on East Colfax from the DNVR bar. All September long, Can America gummies are 25% off. Rockin' cartridges are 25% off. You can get some strains tinctures for 20% off. No matter what you want, no matter what your poison, they have it for you over at Solace Meds. Right now, if you head into any location, you're going to get a free Solace Bar or King Cone when you mention the code DNVR20. You're also going to get 20% off your entire order. You're literally losing money by not shopping with Solace Meds. They make your cannabis shopping experience a delight. Head to their website. That's S-O-L-A-C-E-Meds.com. Order online, pick up at your convenience. Easy breezy, lemon squeezy, baby. We love Solace Meds. We know you do too. Make sure you are taking advantage of these banging deals. All right, let's keep this party rolling and hop back in in that interview with Tom Kakert of HawkeyeReport.com. Um, it's interesting to me that you brought up the the training camp because it was kind of a si- similar situation with CSU. They're, they don't have a great passing situation right now, just being honest. Like they're <laughs> kind of in between offenses between the Mike Bobo era and Steve Adazio. And they brought in Todd Santeo from Temple. He's kind of a dual threat guy. But I mean, last year, you know, he, as a transfer quarterback, he's coming in. They don't have a normal spring ball. Then their fall camp got, uh, it got delayed by like three weeks because the Mountain West originally wasn't going to play. There was yep. an investigation into the coaching staff. It was a whole ordeal. <laughs> and then he just kind of got thrown into the fire. But He's he's been okay so far this year. He's managed the game. I mean, he's not going to blow anybody away from the pocket or anything like that. But so, so he wants the, to run the ball. Here's a fun stat: is uh, Iowa has uh, has it knocked out, but put to the sidelines all three starting quarterbacks so far this year. Penix didn't finish the game for Indiana. They pulled him. Um, uh, Brock Purdy didn't finish the game for the Cyclones. They brought in Hunter Deckers, and, and last week uh, Dustin Crum did not finish the game for for Kent state either. So none of them by injury, but just, they just frustrated them so much and caused them to make so many mistakes that they just decided to change quarterbacks. So it's wild. 
It'd be interesting if that happened for CSA because their backup's a true freshman who didn't play a senior season because of COVID-19. So that that could be a, a rough atmosphere to get thrown into the fire. But were you surprised that Iowa was so dominant in that Iowa State game? Iowa, I believe, was underdogs. I know they went on the road, but it was shocking to me because there's legal sports betting out here now. I threw some money on Iowa because I was like, they look like a way more complete team to me. And they completely dominated that game. Yeah, we have we have legal sports betting here too, so everybody's betting nice. on these games. So it's it's nice it's nice to uh, to have that to partake in. Um, yeah, the Iowa State game was interesting because that is you know Iowa has owned Iowa State. They've they've won this uh, the series now six in a row. And uh, Matt Campbell, for all the accolades that he gets nationally, and everybody's like, oh, you know, he's the greatest young coach in the country. He's now zero five against Kirk Ferentz. So. Um, it's just, it, he's, he struggled to beat Iowa and they've been some weird ones. Like two years ago, there was like two massive rain delays and the end of the game and it's 18, 17 and Iowa has to punt and they punt to the Iowa state guy. And one of the Iowa state, uh, other Iowa state players runs into the punt returner as <laughs> the ball hits off of them and Iowa recovers the ball and the game. It's, it's, it was the weirdest thing you'd ever seen. Um, but that's Iowa, Iowa state for you. And they've, I was just dominated that series. It's, it's, it's wild. But I, I thought if, if Iowa state was going to beat Iowa, it was going to be this year because they had everybody back. They had, you know, the Brees Hall, Purdy back and Brees Hall, yeah. Purdy, all these six year guys, they got Charlie Kohler, you know, one of the best tight ends. I know Colorado state's got a great tight end too. Um, Charlie Kohler's like first team all American coming into the year. Um, you know, they got Chase Allen, they've got, you know, Mike Rose, really good linebacker. And, um, but Iowa just, they've got their number and they just created, make plays, um, don't beat themselves. And they've got, um, I noticed Colorado state's got a really good punter too. Um, I always got this Aussie kid, Tori Taylor, who they, who never had never been to a, uh, a college football game or any football game in his life before he punted in a football game. At, at I love stories like that. Yeah. He had just, he got, got into um, the States in like July and July or August, I think uh, finally got to the States cause he was in Australia and um, yeah, he ended up being their punter and he was fantastic. He was the best punter in the big 10 last year. And he's That's like, awesome. he's a weapon. He's a weapon. Well, yeah, that's the case with CSU. He's Ryan Stonehouse. He's currently the NCAA's all-time leader in yards per punt, which is wild. I mean, there is some, you know, you're punting at altitude a lot of the time, you know, thin air. But the thing that, and I think you'll see it this weekend with Stonehouse, (laughs) the ball just booms off his foot. And they're going to need him to be good because I think field position is going to be a big factor if CSU is going to have any chance of keeping this competitive. That was a huge, it was a huge factor in the Iowa State game because Taylor was able to flip the field so many times. And, you know, we averaged like 51.1 yards per punt in that, in that game. And it's just because he was able to flip the field that Iowa controlled field position, caused problems. You know, they got a, you know, a, pinned him down near the goal line the first play they knock a uh knock the ball out loose from Brees hall and scoop and score and you know all of a sudden it's you know 20 to 7 and game's kind of over you know turnovers and field position it's it's a big yeah, time simple. simple you mentioned kirk ferentz 
has really owned that series against Iowa State. I'm I'm curious just because he's one of the more long-standing coaches in college football. How do the fans view his tenure? Is he beloved by like everyone? You know, is it Nick Saban type territory where he can do no wrong? Are people kind of itching for maybe a fresh start at this point? It's it's interesting because um, I covered basically his entire tenure, which is 22 years. He's now the uh, 23 years. He's now the longest. He's the longest tenured college head head coach. Um, oh, he's number one now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's been number one for a few years. Um, I think since uh, like Frank Beamer retired, I think. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Longest tenured. So um, and it was funny because um, when he got hired, Iowa fans wanted Bob Stoops. Bob Stoops is an alum. Bob Stoops was the hottest assistant in the country. And, um, you know, Bob Stoops' dad was actually buried in a number 41 Iowa Hawkeye jersey that Bob and Mike and Mark Stoops all wore when they played for Iowa. So, um, yeah, there's uh, the family ties are just so strong. But Bob ends up going to Oklahoma, and they hired Kirk Ferentz, who was a line coach for Hayden Fry, and then went to Maine, and then was a, an assistant for um, you know Bill Belichick for several years in Cleveland. Um, so. They hire this guy, and he was not successful out of the gate. I mean, and uh, you know, in these days, uh, back at you know ninety nine two thousand, his first couple of years when he won like three games, you know, he would have been on the hot seat after year two, and it would have been pretty much a struggle. But he kind of flipped it in twenty twenty in in uh, two thousand one, and then two thousand two, they had this magical year where they went to the Orange Bowl and you know finished eight zero in the Big Ten. Uh, in the conference season. I'll tell you, there was a point though, 2014, um, I'll go to, because there's a lot of grumbling within that time. You know, people are like, ah, he's stale. And he's kind of reinvented himself a couple of times. But I, I go back to the 2014 season, end of that year, uh, um, January, I think it was a January 2nd bowl game, a Tax Slayer Bowl, uh, or as, uh, as his son Brian calls it, the Hawk Slayer Bowl. Uh, they were playing Tennessee. And Tennessee embarrassed Iowa. I mean, it was like it was. I, think I remember that. Yeah, it was a joke. It was so bad. We had uh, there's a kid named Jonathan Parker who fumbled the ball on a kickoff out of bounds inside the one yard line. I mean, it was oh, just, it was just a comedy of errors. And I think it was twenty eight nothing at one point Tennessee in like the first quarter. And it was like it was men versus boys. And we were here in Rocky Top a lot that day. And after that, he kind of had some soul and he got pretty chippy with us after the game. And then like two weeks later, he kind of had this little press conference with us. And I think he kind of figured some things out. And that year, they kind of changed everything around the program, moved practices from the afternoon to um, the morning, uh, you know, like 6.30 a.m. kind of practices uh, early in the morning, doing all their work then um, kind of built a different structure within the, within the program. And that year they go 12 and 0, you know, and, and since then that's kind of since the point where Kirk's going to go out on his own terms, he's never going to get fired kind of thing. Even last year when they had, I don't know if you remember this, but they had, um, it was kind of a racial reckoning within the Iowa football program, longtime strength and conditioning coach, Chris Doyle, who was came in with, with Kirk Ferentz. He was his right hand. 
I and mean, he won he all is, kinds of awards, right? Like he was nationally revered as the great, best in the country. His job. Yeah, he's one of the best strength coaches um, in, in America. Um, you know, before he came to Iowa, he was at Utah uh, as a strength coach there. So, um, you know, kind of in the mountain mountain ranges there a little bit. And he was, um, a lot of the stuff was just pointed at Doyle. Um, you know, racial, ins- racially insensitive comments and things of that nature. And this was right around the time of, everything going on with George Floyd and, you know, it just blew up on social media and Chris was gone within a week. I mean, it was just, there was just no keeping him around. Um, but the players all said, Kirk's not the problem. So he survived it. Um, and, um, it's kind of better for it in some ways. Um, but it's been interesting kind of, you know, he's, he's just kind of generally looked at as, this really good guy who, um, you know, does things the right way and, you know, listens to his players at this point and, and, um, you know, has, has built a, a program that he's going to be able to call the shots on going into the autumn of his, his coaching career. And I don't know when he's going to retire. He's 66 and he's still going, you know, still like, eh, I'm okay. I don't think he'll coach into his seventies, but, you know, right now he feels pretty good about things. I've always just kind of liked Iowa a little bit from the outside rooting. I don't know. Just kind of, I like the teams in the big 12 and the big 10 that are, you know, the Kansas States, the Iowa's Iowa state. I'd probably throw in there too. You guys probably don't want to hear that, but yeah. just the, the non Ohio States of the world. I always root for you guys to, to take them down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things I was thinking about today was, um, you know, Iowa played Boston College in the Pinstripe Bowl um, a few years back, uh, and that was when Adazio was still at, at BC. So we got a little bit of a feel of that. And that was a really tough game um, between Iowa and, and BC. It went kind of back and forth. Um, but I'm trying to remember the, I think it was Dylan, the, the running back. AJ Dylan, yeah. AJ Dylan that he had. Um, and, but that was, that was played at Yankee Stadium, and that, that field was not made for football and it was, it was cold and it was frozen. And the guys were just complaining about how it was like a skating rink out there um, just because it was so frozen over. Um, so it was a tough, it was a tough game and open air press box. So it was a little chilly for those of us Ooh. covering the game too. My pens stopped working. My computer stopped working. It was not fun. <laughs> CSU played in one of those a couple years back. It was the, Idaho potato bowl and it's late December. It's like an 8 PM kickoff. And yep. literally the field was, the turf was frozen that CSU player scored a touchdown. And as he crossed the goal line, he completely fell back. Like he slipped on ah. ice. I've, I've never seen anything like it. It's amazing. People didn't get hurt. Yeah. Yeah. We've had a couple of those up in Minnesota too. Um, now that they have the outdoor stadium again uh, for the, for the Gophers. Um, there was one, where it was, it was dangerous down there. It was like a skating rink. Are you surprised they made that decision to to go with the outdoor stadium? I think they wanted to kind of take care of a, a little, um, create more of a home field advantage. Because playing in that dome, it was it was a great equalizer. I mean, you know, it's a nice stadium. It really is. Yeah, CSU uh, played up there in twenty sixteen. Right. Lost yeah. by a touchdown. Is competitive game, but I don't want to take up too much of your time here. Just before I, I let you go. Sure. 
what would have what would have to happen in your opinion for Iowa to drop this game? Would it just be turnovers? I mean, you've mentioned that they've been good in that regard so far. It seems like they've ran the ball effectively. If, if CSU were able to shut down the run, are you guys confident in Petrez's ability to kind of take over and put points on the board if he has to be the main yeah. point for the op- for the offense? Yeah, I think for Iowa to lose, it would have to be one of those where um, they gave up field position on some turnovers, you know, pick sixes, something like that. Um, I think that's really the only way that they're going to lose this game is, uh, you know, I think they'll be able to run the ball fairly well, um, you know, just control passing game um, and and force a couple of mistakes and just kind of, there's this method to the madness with Iowa is just play smart football, move the ball, play field position, wait for your opportunity, score a couple touchdowns, win the game, not look pretty, but get the job done. And that's kind of what they've been doing. And they just don't beat themselves. That's just the thing that they haven't done lately is beat themselves. And if you do that, you've got a chance to win. Is there any worry about it being a trap game or a team they're overlooking, especially you already beat Indiana and Iowa State early? I mean, I'd imagine Kent State would have been more of a trap game than this one, if we're being honest. But Yeah, probably. Um, you know, because next week they go to Maryland. It's a Friday game. The big game that's coming up for Iowa is two weeks away. Uh, Iowa-Penn State at, at Kinnick Stadium. So that's the one everybody – I'm – from an Iowa perspective, I would be more worried about next week because it's a Friday night game at Maryland. That's weird. Um, those are kind of weird situations. They played a Friday night game last year up at um, Minnesota. Um, but, yeah, it's it'll be different. Um, so I, I think next week's maybe the trappier game than this week. That makes total sense. Well, thank you so much for for giving me the time and hopping on the podcast with me. It was great to chat with you. I'm looking yeah. forward to following your work throughout the the season. And I'm pulling for Iowa to win the Big Ten. I, it, it's time <laughs> that somebody other than Ohio State got in the playoff. Well, awesome. Thanks for having me on, Justin. I appreciate it. Awesome. Take care. Thanks. Khakis wearing graphic tees, feeling way too trendy. Raps that kill. Oh, I'm deadly. Primed and ready like machetes at a deli in New Delhi. Feeling scummy like Martin Scarelli. Turn jam into jelly, then drink it like juice. The water's the truth, so I sip on that too. Skinny looking kid with no car keys. Like the only thing I drive is RCRV. He's got the stash like Steve Harvey. Oh, I'm gnarly.